The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of our 62nd anniversary at Christ Universal Temple. In the month of October, we celebrate our anniversary, and you know, we have some wonderful things going on. We had a wonderful weekend with one of the Unity Online hosts, uh, Mae McCarthy, teaching her books, uh, Path to Wealth and the Gratitude Formula. And we have some other things coming down the pike that I think will be really, really nice and good. And I think it's important for people to recognize that, you know, at times when you need to just stop and celebrate the success that sometimes we're so fired up for the next thing that we forget to actually smell the roses and and enjoy what we've actually produced so far. Give yourself the opportunity to enjoy your wins, even when you know there's more work to do. But don't stop uh, taking time out of your day and out of your schedule and out of your year to say, Thank God we made it this far. The work, the prayers, the meditation, the the effort, the training, all of these things come together to produce something good. So anyway, we're in the midst of a series titled The Prosperity Ten Commandments, which is based on the book of the same title by Georgiana Tree West. And the wonderful thing about this book is it gives us an opportunity to really study principles at a high level because one of the things that it does is helps us focus on how are we demonstrating abundance, prosperity and in our lives and how well are we how how let me I want to say this another way it gives us an opportunity to stop and really look at our lives and say to ourselves, 
Am I producing the results that I desire? Am I producing even half of the results that I desire? Am I producing 25% of the results I desire? Am I producing results that I desire at all? Or am I just producing results? Because here's the thing, we're always producing results. Because the failure to choose something is still a choice. I don't know what to do. Okay, so you you have made the decision not to do anything when you allow yourself to freeze. One of the reasons why I think it's really important to study books like the Prosperity Ten Commandments and some of these other books that I've taught that focus on prosperity is we don't is because we don't really evaluate our internal dialogue around prosperity. And when and when people start talking about money, wealth, financial independence, prosperity, and anything that's connected to money, we have a tendency, meaning we meaning human beings, to push away from it. And I think it's important for us to recognize that spiritual principles apply to everything including money spiritual principles apply to everything including your financial independence spiritual principles apply to everything including your thoughts about wealth and success so my request is that you get the book prosperity's 10 commandments by georgiana tree west you can order it on amazon.com you can order it on unity.org it's in the store on Unity's website and go along with me in this series because I'm going to jump over a lot of stuff and just try to hit some main points in the chapters. But here's the thing, the God in you will draw you to what you need. That's why anytime you look at a person who has a book and they've highlighted it, they might highlight things that you didn't highlight and vice versa because those quotes stood out to you. It's important to recognize that your indwelling God nature will help you do what you need to do. Anyway, back to the book. So the second commandment is you shall make no mental images of lack. You shall make no mental images of lack. Now, this comes from. The second uh, commandment given by Moses to the children of Israel, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 6. And this is what it reads, or what it states. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, before I go any further, let me just address a few things. One, anytime you're reading something from ancient scriptures, you're also reading the paradigm through which that scripture came. So, Many of these ancient writers and authors wrote based upon their worldview. 
So that concept of God, especially as you read it in some of the older scriptures, uh, can is is almost like a uh, a uh, what's a Middle Eastern king. You know, you know, you do what I want, you walk in the favor. If you don't, I'm punitive. That was their concept. Now. Dr. Rocco Errico and, and several other now Hebrew scholars now are saying that the word jealous in this scripture does not mean jealous in the sense that we think it, think today. Matter of fact, Dr. Rocco Errico translates the word zealous, a zealous God, including his teacher, Dr. George Lamza, and some other people that right now their names are not coming up to me, saying that the concept of jealous, jealous as we say, oh, that that man's just jealous of me, or that woman's just jealous of me, or or my accomplishments, or et cetera. It's not jealous from that standpoint. Metaphysically, we're going to deal with it later, but I did want to address this conversation right off the bat because I think it's important to recognize why we translate into the metaphysical. But when you bump into something literally, sometimes it's an easier answer. And one of the things that we have to recognize is that when these books were being written, passed down from oral traditions, they wrote based upon their worldview. You know, no Bible scholar that I know of that's mainstream believes that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, not a one. Only conservative and fundamentalist scholars on the Christian and Jewish sides far as that I've ever read, and I've done some decent research all mainstream scholars, which conservatives obviously would call liberal scholars, but everybody that teaches it mainstream, uh, that are mainstream scholars, teach that there are multiple sources to the first five books, four basic sources, but I'm not going to get into that. That's not the purpose of this show, or at least this particular podcast. Maybe one day I'll do a show on how the Bible was really put together or shows that wouldn't be one show anyway so going back to the book page 30 talking about idols she wrote we still make idols and bow down bow down to them serve them and fear them these are the false beliefs that we are constantly engraving on our minds and impressing on the minds of others through the power of suggestion every thought of poverty Fear, limitation, worry, and doubt is a false image. And every thought, word, and act of ours motivated by such thinking constitutes bowing down to idols and serving them. Uh, So, anytime our thinking and feeling is out of alignment the truth of God in us and the truth of God as divine principle, universal law, infinite intelligence, or sometimes people like to use those omni-words, omnipresence, omnipotence, omniscience. Every thought that's inconsistent with the truth about God and the truth about God in you is a limitation that is really a false image. Here's the thing. We have a tendency to bow down mentally 
to the false images of I don't have enough money, to the false images of the diagnosis or the prognosis, to the false image of I can never come back from divorce, from the false image of what am I going to do now that I don't have a job, to the false image of whatever you think is so devastating that it can take you out, wreck your life, destroy your confidence and self-image. Whatever those things are, they're false idols. And every time you believe in what that false idol or image is telling you, you are violating the second prosperity commandment because you're making a mental image of lack. Here's the thing. I've told you before, especially when I was teaching the Neville Goddard series, The Law and the Promise, is we have to always be mindful that being a faith thinker is not reasonable and logical at times. Most of the time, it doesn't take faith and reason. Excuse me, it doesn't take logic and reason to be a faith thinker. Faith has to see beyond the facts. Faith has to see what's possible. Faith has to see the truth through the appearance. As Jesus says, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. So right now, what's, what images are stopping you from expressing more God in your life or more good? The image, uh, the false idol of, I don't have enough time. The false idol of, I have too many demands. The false idol of, I'm just too tired. These are false idols. Because the one thing that everybody gets in the physical realm is 24 hours a day. You get to choose how you use those 24 hours. But here's the thing. You can't waste time. Time moves on. You utilize time. And whatever you utilize your time, how you utilize your time will determine in many ways how your life will work out. Because in that time, because time is moving, what am I thinking? Time is moving. What am I feeling? Time is moving. What am I saying? Time is moving. What am I doing? Time is moving. How am I reacting? Time is moving. Because what I think, what I feel, what I say, what I do, and how I react is what I'm telling universal law I want in my life. So my responsibility as a child of God is right thinking, right feeling, right words, right actions, right reactions. What is right? Right is in alignment with the truth about God and the truth about you. That's what's right. So the book goes on to say, as a result, we have unfortunate conditions in life. The Lord, our God, is truly a jealous God in the sense of being an exacting God, and therefore his or its law of cause and effect takes severe toll of us. For every false belief we serve, we experience some unhappiness in life. I'm going to repeat that sentence. For every false belief we 
serve. Notice what it said. It didn't say just hold. For every false belief we serve, we experience some unhappiness in life. We teach in the Universal Foundation for Better Living that the primary cause of suffering is forgetfulness of our divine nature as spiritual beings with dominion over our thoughts and feelings. So if I forget who I am spiritually and I forget that I have dominion over my thoughts and feelings and I start holding on to thoughts that are inconsistent with my true spiritual nature, sooner or later I will serve those thoughts instead of serving the truth that is in me. And the way you serve, quote unquote, the truth that is in you is by being aligned with the truth that is within you and then realize that you are that truth. So the author goes on to say the results that spring up in our lives are the unfortunate harvests that we have to reap. Why? Because scripture says God is not mocked. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. God is not mocked. Divine law is not mocked. Universal law is not mocked. Principle is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Author goes on to say, when we substitute the word exacting for the word jealous and realize that the commandment refers to the inevitable action of God's law in the mental realm, we better understand the rest of the commandment. Talking about visiting upon the children, how we pass down these erroneous beliefs to our children and grandchildren, etc., etc. Many, in many ways, error consciousness is passed down from parent to child, again, then to parent to child, then to parent to child. So you can see situations sometimes in life where a particular generation of a family lived a certain kind of way that might have been out of alignment with the truth about God and the truth about who they are. For whatever the circumstances were, crime, drugs, uh, et cetera, poverty, mindsets, and you can the original generation could be gone, but they but they created a culture in that family that people live out until somebody says, I'm not going to play out what was given to me. And they choose something different. You can be that person in your life. Just because mama or daddy or grandparents didn't teach you a certain kind of way. Now that you're grown and now that you're aware that there are options for you, you get to choose to go another way by not holding on to the mental images of lack or by believing that you have to be a certain way because your whole family is a certain kind of way or because of somebody's alcohol or drug addictions or so-called hereditary diseases. You get to choose not to hold those mental images of lack. Just because you didn't learn about proper money management 
from your parents does not mean that you can't develop it now. Now, will it be hard? Yes, because you've been conditioned to think a certain kind of way, and you've backed it up with action. So it's going to take some mental effort to shift your mind out of poverty and into prosperity because it doesn't make a difference how much money you make if your consciousness is programmed to believe in lack. So you will raise your income and then raise your expenses. So it don't make a difference how much money you make. You will always be robbing Peter to pay Paul. You will always be right at the cusp because your mindset says, I can't have wealth. So you always figure out how to use debt to get what you want, clothes and shoes and vacations and other type of things instead of paying for it. And developing the ability to save, develop the ability to invest, and the ability to manage what you have. I was listening to a minister, and I can't remember his name now, off the top of my head. I was going through YouTube videos, listening to different people. And one of the things that the minister said on the video, audio, it was audio, audio was that the primary reason why church people, he was talking about church people, the primary reason why church people in his community, and he was an uh, African-American minister, have financial struggles is because we, he said we, as a whole, lack money management skills. So in other words, he said, if you can't manage what you have, you can't expect to get more. He was basically saying that was out of order. And I was like, hmm, I've said that before. I've read that before. What parent would give a child a $100 bill to go to buy some a Kona ice cream from Dairy Queen. Most parents I know wouldn't do it. Okay, here, 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 little Jimmy. Here's this $100 bill to, to go get some, the ice cream truck is going by. Go get you a Kona ice cream. Why? Because they don't understand the responsibility of what it means to have that $100 bill. They don't know how to manage it properly. So we are connected to God's abundance, God's substance, God's infinite supply. But because of the way we think about money, the way we feel about money, the way we image about money, the beliefs we hold about money, the attitudes we have about money don't create the consciousness of the lack of money management. If you want to know the key to getting your financial life in order is the last word in that sentence, order. You got to get some divine order with your money and know where it's going and why it's going there. When you start being systematic about learning how to work it, it works if you work it. But don't expect God as divine law to give you something that's inconsistent with the way you think, feel, 
say, act, and react. That's not orderly. And God is not the is 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 not the author of confusion, as scripture says. Therefore, it would be very confusing to plant tomato seeds and then the harvest gives you corn. It would be very confusing to plant <clears throat> apple seeds and then you get a mango tree. That's confusion. Because it's inconsistent. And it's just as inconsistent to lack order with your money. It's just incons- it's inconsistent to have images of lack. It's inconsistent to not have uh, a management system, a systematic way you have handle your money. It's just as it's just as problematic for you to look up and say, "I don't know where this money went," or it's just as out of order to to have all this credit card debt and then you're consistently getting more and then expect, oh, okay, I just, God's going to bless me and how I handle my money. I'm looking for a money miracle. A miracle that's, a miracle has to be consistent with the consciousness that's seeking to produce it. Now, Maybe the reason why the image of lack is coming up is because you have, and I'm going to use this term, and I'm using this as human term, not from the spiritual side, but from the very human side of life. You might be saying yes to too many things. And you might need to look at your divine order. You might be trying to carry weight that's not yours to carry. You might be saying yes to things, including to yourself, well, okay, I can handle that. So, you know, you know, you, you go from a hundred dollar bill, a hundred dollar phone bill to a $200 phone bill with the next phone upgrade was just a hundred dollars, $1,200 a year. But how's it stretching you? How is it working with your consciousness? How are you developing it? Sometimes we're saying yes to the little things, but the little things add up and add up and add up and add up, and next thing you know, you find yourself being stretched again. Why? Because the consciousness is saying, oh, I can handle that. Oh, I can get that. And then you get in the midst of it, and then you start feeling the pressure and the fear and the frustration that goes along with not having enough to take care of your responsibilities. That's why the first thing you have to do when you start working on your financial wealth is get it, get your thoughts in order. You can't have thoughts of lack, but you also got to make sure that you have a management system to make sure that you handle your money properly. Not in your head, but on paper. So it's time for us to take our break. And I want to make sure that when we come back, we'll have the opportunity to make some call for you to call in if you so desire, et cetera, et cetera. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Unity is proud to announce the first-ever New Thought Walden Awards, honoring 27 leaders who are helping to change the world. Some are well-known, but most are unsung heroes. They care about spirituality, healing, interfaith understanding, caring for the earth, and social activism. Read about them in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine, or go online to waldenawards.com. Congratulations to all. Give someone you love the gift of inspiration with a subscription to Unity Magazine. Each issue has interesting articles and compelling interviews from some of today's most prominent spiritual thought leaders. Explore new ideas in health, science, spirituality, and a lot more. Send gifts to your family and friends and save $7 off the subscription rate. Get a one-year subscription for just $14.95. This offer ends on December 31st, so go to unity.org to find out more. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore and other legendary Unity teachers with Reverend Bob Brock and Unity Classic Radio. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, Bob shares original radio transcripts from the Unity archives with truth students worldwide. Explore these timeless teachings and learn how to apply them to your life today. Listen live or on demand. You can also connect with Reverend Bob on his Unity in Action Facebook page. Tune in every Tuesday here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. If you want to call in and ask me a question, you can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. Also remember that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. It, my request is that you go on the page, like it, give it a five-star rating, 
and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. It's also the quickest and easiest way to get in contact with me. Also, the show is on iTunes Podcasts and Stitcher, which is an Android app. And my request yet again is if you listen to this show on those apps, give it a five-star rating, write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms. It helps get the message out there. Also be mindful that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to the Unity Online Radio website, unityonlineradio.org, or is it .org? Well, I just say unity.fm. It'll take you right there. Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. These shows go everywhere. They're in every continent. And it's important for us to realize that we are a part of the shift that is happening in human consciousness. And because of this mighty shift that is happening, we are creating a new way of thinking and seeing life. And it's important because we can only do that one mind at a time. And there are things that you possibly want to see happen in the world that's more consistent with harmony and love and divine law, peace, joy, and prosperity. And unity, along with the other New Thought organizations like Centers for Spiritual Living, Universal Foundation for Better Living, Divine Science International, you know, International New Thought Alliance, Association of Global New Thought, there's so many different organizations are committed to helping trans to transform the consciousness of humanity. But again, we can only do it one mind at a time. And there are people who won't listen to you because of your close relationship, but they'll listen to me or they'll listen to another host. So let's create the space that allows the information to go out there so we can ha- they can have access to it. And if you want to share something instead of you trying to explain it, you allow one of us who are who are trained ministers and teachers, trained practitioners of new thought to teach the concepts for you. All you got to do is send them the podcast or send them the link from the website so they can listen to it themselves without you having to try to explain everything off the top of your head. Give people the benefit of what's helping you. Please help us by supporting the organization. Uh, Last but not least, as I've said before, you know, I got something coming down the pike when it comes to many of the requests of coaching and things of that nature. Uh, I'm, I'm working on something that should be wrapped up by the end of the month. So let's get back to the book. On page 31 talking about this concept of the iniquity of the parents. He wrote, or she wrote, rightly understood the iniquity of the parents is our heritage of mortal mind. The word mortal comes from the Latin word mors, meaning death. Mortal mind is the total of all thoughts adverse to God and God's action, which is the all-knowing, all-loving action of eternal life. All thoughts that deny God's living presence are destructive of nature and therefore allied with death. Now here's the key. She's talking about how all of us are born into this consciousness of what we think it means to be a human being, which 
also has a sense of separation from God. We're not separate, separated from God, but we have a sense of separation until we discover who we are. So back to the book, death and destruction exist only in mortal mind, which is the error consciousness of the human race to which the mistaken beliefs of the whole human family continue to be imposed on generation after generation. So in other words, just like I was talking about with individual families, as a human race, we pass on erroneous beliefs that have to be challenged and transformed, overcome or dismissed. In other words, they're not benefiting us and they're not benefiting anybody else, but they keep getting passed on beliefs about, you know, things like religion and race or orientation or social class or status. These things are many times beliefs that keep us separated from each other instead of us seeking to work in harmony with each other in love. Is creating division, they, or they create division, these beliefs. Back to the book. She wrote, page 32, We win our freedom from the iniquity of parents, our heritage of mortal mind, as we learn to use our divine heritage of spiritual understanding and let our thoughts dwell on God and boundless good. Then she says again, We obey prosperity, second commandment, You shall make no mental images of lack. She goes on to say, we hear a great deal about the creative power of thought. Correctly speaking, it is mind that is creative and thought is its action. Mind is creative and thought is its action. She goes on to say, thought is the use we make of mind with its vast creative power. Mm. Thought is the use. So the thought is the product of thinking. Thought is a mental vibrational impulse, as Charles Fillmore wrote in The Revealing Word. So she goes on to say, we often speak of a train of thought. It is a very good metaphor. A train is a vehicle that delivers something in, to a certain destination. So a train of thought is a vehicle of mind that delivers its creative power into manifestation. If we direct a train of thought to a to image of lack, it will always arrive at its destination and unload creative power into this false image. So we find ourselves building poverty station. Every train of thought we direct towards, it delivers its load of creative power and poverty station fairly hums with activity. So she's saying that by having a train of thought that's based upon images of lack, we're actually building, just like you downtown, we have Union Station, this real big place where many of the trains come from different parts of the United States of America. Well, you can have trains of thought that are feeding and leaving from a consciousness of prosperity or a consciousness of poverty. But the same divine law or creative power that creates the prosperity can be the same divine law and creative power that will continue to produce the lack in your life based upon the images that you hold in mind. Back to the book. So. I'm jumping over a little bit to page 34. We are constantly making mental images in connection with thoughts 
but with the thoughts we hold in mind. These mental images are thought patterns that the omnipresent energy of divine mind follows. So here's the thing. First of all, I, I circled the word constantly. We are constantly. In other words, it doesn't turn off. We are constantly making what? Mental images in connection with the thoughts we hold in mind. Constantly. Constantly. These same images that we are constantly making are thought patterns. A pattern is something that you create something from. So you have a, a like a blueprint. So the blueprint that the creative power of God as divine law follows to fulfill is the thought pattern that you give it. One image Am I giving the creative power within me to create in my life? She goes on to say, next paragraph, since all appearances of lack have been brought about by the wrong use of the creative energy of mind, the remedy lies in making right use of this same creative energy and so bringing the limitless good of the invisible realm of spirit into manifestation. Mm. So in other words, she is saying in a real way, change your thinking, change your life. I believe it was Einstein who wrote that or said something close to you can't solve a problem at the same thinking, at the same level of thinking that created the problem, it's not at the land. You can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that caused the problem. This is one of the reasons why Spiritual teachers throughout the centuries have told people to stop and pray, stop and meditate. And people have different ways they pray, different ways they meditate, but the idea behind it is to bring or the consciousness out of the consciousness of the problem and create a higher level of consciousness that gives you a greater point of view that allows you to see the opportunities and possibilities of God that are always, always surrounding you. I'm always surrounded by the infinite supply of God. I don't have to go somewhere to get it. I am it. I think I told the story of a few months ago on the show. There is a video on YouTube of the old school rapper KRS-One of Boogie Down Productions. Now KRS-One teaches metaphysics, his understanding of it. And he's actually pretty good, pretty good. And on the tape, a man sees him leaving a, a building, a hotel, 
with his bags and his people and walks over and says, hey, can you make a video? Can I record you? Can you make a quick video for my son? He's a hip hop artist. And could you give him some words of, of encouragement as he's beginning his career? It would make a, a big difference in his life if he can hear from you, a hip hop legend, about what it takes to be a hip hop artist. Just please give him some words. So the video basically is KRS One saying to the young man, the young man, that if you are true to to hip hop or the image of it, as you understand the idea, the hip hop will find you, success will find you where you are. So he said that when he was a young boy and homeless, he went to a shelter as a teenager. He was going group home, group homes, group homes. He ended up in a shelter. And as you talk to the counselors, there's all these counselors that work in the New York City system that counsels homeless teens to help them get their lives on track. He bumps it. He has to go to the meeting. The counselor says, okay, you know, what do you do? You know, do you have any skills? You know, what are you interested in? What do you want to be when you grow up in life? All that stuff. And he told the counselor, I'm a rapper. I'm an MC. I'm a hip hop artist. And the counselor said, okay, show me. Cash Run, you know, gay, you know, performed a rap. And the DJ, the man said, I'm DJ Scott LaRock. And I DJ on Friday nights at some club. And I want you to come down and I want you to perform with me. And those two people created the iconic hip-hop, old-school hip-hop group called Boogie Down Productions. Scott Rock ended up actually being murdered less than a year after the album came out. But this is what's interesting about the story. The opportunity to become a multi-million dollar artist, a multi-platinum artist was found in a shelter. Karis One was trying to get out of the shelter. He was trying to get out of the experience. I can't get my good here. And what he discovered was if you have hold on to the vision, opportunity finds you. The creative power finds you. Out of all the counselors in the world, not only was his counselor a DJ, but he was a DJ who gave him a chance as a teenage boy. Out of all the counselors on the planet, this one counselor was the one person who can transform him, help him transform from a homeless teen. To a few years later, being on MTV with videos and gold and platinum albums because he was true to the image that he had in his head.
So the moral of the story that Karis One was trying to tell the young man as he was talking to his father over the video was when you have the consciousness God as infinite supply and substance can prosper where you are. God is not limited to where you think your opportunity is. God can create opportunity where where you consider a place that is barren. That's why in scripture it talks about, you know, turning deserts into basically paradises with water and and trees and plants and fruit and things of that nature. Because God was trying to tell them then, and God was using Karis one in this story to tell us the same thing that this author is telling us and the same thing I'm trying to tell you. Get your mind right first. And then you'll discover that God's infinite supply is always with you, always surrounding you, always interpenetrating you, always there, always there, always there, always there. God, open our eyes so we can see. Open our eyes so we can see. The opportunity is always there. As the Apostle Paul said to the Greeks in Athens in the book of Acts, in him we live, move, and have our being. So when we're holding on to these images of lack, we're not in alignment with the truth that God is the source of our supply. And since God is the source of our supply, God doesn't give vision without provision. Reverend Coleman would say that God's ideas come fully clothed, which means that everything for the manifestation of the idea is in the idea. But we have to sit with the idea. We have to become intimate with the idea. We have to visualize and pray with the idea. And then we have to act in alignment with the idea as our intuition leads us. She gives an excellent example of the prodigal son in this book, but I'm not going to read all of this because it's a lot of words. But I do want to read this part. When the son left to go on out on his own, she wrote on page 35, we separate ourselves in thought and feeling from God as we make our home in that far country, the realm of mortal mind that is so far from the kingdom of God. We attach ourselves to some citizen of that country, some lack and limitation that belongs to that state of mind. And eventually we find ourselves feeding swine, that is, drudging for mere physical existence drudging for mere physical existence. In other words, when we attach our minds to the far country or to these thoughts of lack of limitation that are not consistent with the truth about God, we put our lives in, we put our livelihood in a position that does not give us what we say we want. Peace, love, joy, and prosperity. Turning the page. 
we have to come home. We have to, like the prodigal son, wake up and come to ourselves. And he, then he had an image that was not all the way prosperity, but it was better than where he was when he said, even the servants in my father's house live better than how I'm living. I'll go back and be a servant. But when he came back to the father's house, he got the fatted calf killed for him. He got the robe. He got the 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 new shoes, the gold ring, etc. Because when you go back to the father's house or the state of mind or the point of view or the consciousness or the context or the paradigm of prosperity and well-being, you get all that the father has. That's why it says that he got it all when he came back to the consciousness. And we can walk in our blessings when we come back in consciousness and our thinking to the truth of who we are. But here's the thing. What I'm really connected to from years of teaching, preaching, counseling folks, having conversations with people, helping people get through their issues is this. People rather, rather hold on to Pettiness. People rather hold on to, I got, I, I have to be right. People rather hold on to trying to be tit for tat. People try to hold on to their righteous indignation. People will rather hold on to their stories than to be free and walk in their prosperity. People will stress themselves out even when they know the stress is killing them, when they know the stress is making them ill, when they know the stress does not allow them to, to live their best life. We'll know it. We'll talk to a minister, talk to a practitioner, talk to a teacher, talk to a counselor, go see therapists, go see psychologists and psychiatrists and everything else and in between. No better. And we'll still do it because people are more invested in, in their sense of right than they are with being free. But do you want to be whole? Well, I am right. And this was wrong. Okay, I get that from your perception. Because most human right and wrong is relative if it's not based upon principle. And sometimes our stories don't allow us to even deal with facts correctly because people have a tendency to wrap facts around their emotions and their stories and they create something new and they believe it's factual. But here's the thing. You can have your details or you can have your freedom. You can be right and sick, right and broke, right and unhappy, or you can be free. Because as long as you're holding on to those mental images, you got to get what you get.
and the spiritual teacher or leader in whatever role that they're playing, minister, teacher, practitioner, is saying over and over again to you, do you want to be free? Do you want to be whole? Because if you do, you have to forgive. If you do, you have to release these images of lack, these images of frustration, these images that are producing anger, frustration, stress, and all these things you don't want in your life. Stop violating the commandment. Thou shalt make no mental images of lack. And every time you walk or, excuse me, think in alignment with something that is not true about you or true about God, about yourself or someone else, then you're violating that commandment. Does that mean that you have responsibilities humanly over people? Absolutely. But handle the responsibility in the situation. Be careful of the image that you hold about somebody. You manage work. You manage the outcomes. Hold your consciousness to where you need it to be. So you can be free. So next week we're going to go into the third commandment. You shall not speak the word of lack or limitation. We're going to have a great time with this. God bless you and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.